Welcome to episode 126 of Destination Linux. This is a podcast of opinions made up of five of the greatest minds ever discussing our passion for Linux. I'm Zeb and with me today are the all-stars of self, Noah, Ryan and Michael. So Noah, how have you been this week? Busy. Uh, we started. I got here on Sunday. Started setting stuff up on. Well, we started testing stuff on, on Sunday night, Monday, and worked all throughout the week. Got here, I think Wednesday ish, and unloaded in the rain. Set up the booth. Set up all of the audio conference stuff. We have so much Linux. I'm very proud of it. All of the all of the event halls this year are entirely run on Linux. All of the streaming is being done on Linux. All of the presenters' laptops, if they check them out from us anyway, are running Linux. All of the audio is being encoded on Linux devices and sent back to a Linux device over here that's pulling it down, and then we're streaming it out on Linux. There's so much Linux, I... Linux. (laughs) Perfect. Excellent. Awesome. Um, And Ryan, welcome. Good to see you here. In the flesh, buddy. That's right, man. And someone else sitting next to you, would you like to introduce our special guest today? I mean, this is the guy who started all of this, and he's regretting joining us again. <laughs> after <laughs> uh, But you started everything here. You're the one who was crazy enough to bring me on Destination Linux, which we were talking about I do, earlier. I, I do rethink that every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, exactly. To, to bring me on and start this crazy thing. And this is the first time, though, we've ever met in person, yep. which is amazing. This is the first time I've been able to meet Zeb in person, which is absolutely amazing. And that's thanks to all of you for donating to bring Zeb here, which it's just been awesome. So on my channel, we have uh, Zeb doing the All-American theme. We took him to Waffle House. Yep. I mean, because you, that's a requirement. you got to have Waffle House experience. And he loved his rice pudding also known in America as grits. Right. Yeah. And his coffee was sugar, and the waffle was your favorite thing there, which was quite awesome. Um, so you've had a fantastic time so far in the United States, I think, right? Yeah, it's been absolutely awesome. And we're going to go again to the Waffle House tomorrow. But I'm not having the other breakfast for four people that they tried to dish me up this morning. <laughs> I'm just going to have the grits and the... Syrup. Oh, yeah, there's a bit of waffle under there somewhere, but hey, it's yeah. the sugar rush that was I told him to do it American awesome. style and just keep pouring and, just keep pouring. There. and then when I finished, Rocco went, no, 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 keep going, keep going. <laughs> You're not quite American yet. No, that's right, yeah. Uh, but also, just for self itself, it's been amazing because, you know, you did a fantastic talk in there, and Michael did a good talk, and he didn't bomb this time. Which is surprising yep. because I did everything possible to make him fail, including not bringing a laptop with HDMI, which I promised him I would. But thankfully, we ran to Best Buy, got a dongle. And <laughs> we should have live streamed that. We should have live streamed that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But so. Noah, I think you were wrong on one of your talks. You said that you, your, your distro is not always the perfect distro for everybody. And I disagree because my okay. distro is the perfect distro. Well, let's back, let's, let's back up and give some context. So what we were t- I was talking about, I gave a presentation on... Um, why the Linux desktop is still important and what people need to be aware of as they go through life trying to be advocates for Linux. And uh, one of the points that I made in the presentation is that the distro you're most comfortable is not necessarily the distro that you should be recommending to um, other people, right? Because the support infrastructure on it might not be efficient. And and you disagree with that? I disagree with that. Pop OS is good for everybody, right? 
<laughs> well, come on. Don't bite the bait. It Don't depends bait the bait. on what it is you're trying to get out of an operating system. And in certain cases, absolutely, pop underscore OS exclamation mark would be the correct <laughs> distro for some people. In fact, I, it, all, all kidding aside, I we, we interviewed um, Jason. Yep. Uh, last week, and we asked him if you had to. What is that rumbling noise right when they're in the middle of doing a show? Oh, of course, the subway. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, so, um, we asked him. We said, if you had to pick one distribution that you think is most influential and most useful and, and holds the user's hand the best, that Pop OS, they're serving a market and they're they're doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, I've started to take it a lot more seriously than originally. I was like, it's Ubuntu GNOME with a theme that's what it is and uh, I've had to walk that back a little bit I think so yeah, yeah I mean a pop OS could be the right choice in some in some circumstances actually I don't th I think if you guys think about it you might figure it out but off the bat you won't know there's a, we have a big surprise coming up in this episode mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about no okay we have a big surprise coming up in this episode. I have an, I have an assumption. And it, and, it, and it actually somewhat tangentially relates to what you're talking about. Nice. So that's a teaser to stay tuned oh, for the yep, rest of yep. the seven hours of the show. Awesome. rest of the seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not forget that we've got Michael here. So, Michael, what have you been up to apart from giving a quite astounding talk on marketing within Linux? It was really, really informative. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I've been doing. The, I have to talk about uh, Linux and open source marketing and how we d don't do the best job, nor you know historically or right now, and uh, how I, well, some tips about but way we can do it better and just to improve the overall approach of marketing because you know there's a lot of times where projects will do it well and then immediately fall on their face after doing it well the first time. And there's and that's an unfortunate situation, but I would actually say Papa West is one of those few that did that did it pretty well actually. In fact, that was in your presentation. It was in a presentation. Papa West Elementary and Zorin of all of all distros have done some really good marketing aspects of it and the branding approach that they've done it. They keep a unison approach, and uh, Papa West has actually done a lot in the sense of. Uh, you know that they did the AMD and the NVIDIA different uh, ISOs, and they've done like updates to add different uh, support for things like Lutris being easily to, easily to install. Uh, so I think Pop OS would be a very good option, and probably one of the two, one of the main distros I would suggest if it was Plasma. Mm -hmm. Okay, well that sounds really really good. So I just want to temporarily bring us back to Rocco, one of our f founding fathers. Um, Rocco, how have you enjoyed Self so far? Well. This is the first time I flew down here. So Ryan had asked me about, you know, what I thought of self or what I is it what I expected it to be? And I really had no expectations because I was so busy beforehand and then flying for the first time and getting here. It's been awesome. I get to meet everybody. I get to talk about Linux and not get looked at like I, <laughs> you know, got three heads. Yeah. And the talks have been amazing. Um, but, you know, like there was this one guy that I met, me and Zeb, and he he oh, said, right. you know, hey, you know, I've been listening to Destination Linux, and he was talking to Zeb, and he turned to me and he said about Destination Linux, he says, you know, that's a really good show, you should listen to it. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can we go back for a moment, though? This is your first flight ever. ever. First you're, flight you're ever. You're 32 years old. Exactly. And you, this is the first time you've ever been on a plane, and your first time you get on a plane is for Linux. Your commitment to Linux, sir. I had a window seat right above the wing. Uh -huh. It was awesome. That's very mm -hmm. cool, man. Very cool. 
I thought you were going to say, you're so dedicated to Linux, I had a window seat and I refused because it was window. Because it was window. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. You get all of this, plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month, or you can use their flexible pricing structure for as low as 0.7 cents per hour. That's darn near free. DigitalOcean also has 2,000 cloud-agnostic tutorials to help you stay up to date with the latest source software, languages, and frameworks. Get started on DigitalOcean for one month free with a $50 credit by going to do. Co slash DL. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with a $50 credit by just going to do.co slash DL. Let them know Destination Linux sent you by going to that link. And we thank DigitalOcean for their sponsorship. Superb. So, Ryan, can you take us into the email we've had this week? Yeah, absolutely. So, we got an email from Alejandro. He says, hello, it's an honor to be listening to four of the greatest minds, five this episode, talk about Linux every week. I just want to share a quick story. I'm a software developer, and I started a new job a couple months ago. We're free to put whatever we want on our machines. So, within the first couple hours on the first day, I had Fedora running on it just the way I like it. Some of the main tools I use are Ready Code Studio from Red Hat, PG Modeler, Terminator, and Ansible to manage multiple servers. I have aliases and scripts in place for backups, applying updates, checking on servers. The way I set up my workflow attracted the attention of my colleagues. Long story short, now almost every developer at my job is running Fedora. Some even asked me to install it on their personal computers. After the installation and initial configuration, Fedora does what you need and stays out of your way. Took a line from you there, Zeb. Now I'm the default Linux person at work. I must shamelessly confess I am quite proud of it. Thank you for the podcast. Keep up the great work. Have a great day. P.S. I'm a small contributor to the Fedora project, so I can't help but to feel like I won something for my team. I'm not even sorry, Alejandro. So that's very cool that he was able to not only utilize Linux in his day-to-day job, but also convert and show the power of Linux to everyone there at his work. And now he's created basically his own lug group at his job, which yep. is pretty fun. You always have something to talk about then. Yeah, that's, that's, that's super cool. Um, and as, as always, we ask you to, our listeners, send in um, your emails uh, about the show, what, you, what we can do to improve it, how you use Linux in your day-to-day life, how it's affected you, has it made any changes. And like this guy here, he's now converted his whole work area to using Fedora. And that's just truly awesome. So keep those comments coming through to comments at destinationlinux.org. All right, so on to some um, distro news. And this week we've got Enso OS 0.31 that has been released. Um, now, Enso has an iterative release to this distro. Enso, Enso is a distro that describes itself as simple, private, and green. Now, if you go to their website, yes, it is really green. Um, <laughs> the green part comes in that it can run on older computers that Mac or Windows have been abandoned, given new life to old hardware. It's based on Zubuntu and has the XFC desktop 
with Gala imported from Elementary, a Panther application launcher and Plank Dock along with some other borrowed tools. So it's a bit of a Frankenstein, Frankenstein distro. Now I can relate to that because Peppermint does the same sort of thing. Yeah. It just borrows. Wow, that wasn't that wasn't Michael this time. No, that was me. <laughs> Excellent. No, no, no notifications here. They're all turned off. So they've released 0.31 code named Dancing Daisy, and it has the following notable changes: the App Hive, the application mal management tool, has been updated. I'm sure somebody's typed that wrong. Yeah, it's just management tool. It's an application management tool, so it's it's like it's App Center, but it's a fork of. So App somebody Center. put the mal there just so I would, they knew I was going to read it verbatim and make myself look stupid. Not not necessarily on purpose, but it could have been just. We a typo. definitely <laughs> got you, Zeb. Welcome <laughs> to America. It could have yeah. been it could have been a typo. Cheers, guys. So <laughs> th th this tool is a fork of Elementary App Center. It features cleaner a cleaner homepage, a new games category, and starring favorite applications. Um, Autofocus at the greeter screen for user inputs of password. Plank Dock has improved HIDPI support and improved support um, performance. And I'll talk about that in a minute because I totally disagree. Um, new wallpapers for users to choose from. So if you're looking for something different to try, it's available for you to download right now. Now it's interesting because this was brought to my radar by our guest of a couple of weeks ago, Jason, yeah. who says that this is something that you need to have a look at and really watch because it's up and coming. So I installed it on my machine and everybody knows I've got this weird three monitor setup. So I've got two 4Ks here and my middle screen is a 4K as well. So here's the plank, here's the menu, I click on the menu. It appears over in the bottom left hand corner of this screen. That's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> but every time you want to use the plank, you click it, and then you have to look over that way, and then by the time you've looked over that way, you've oh. moved your mouse, so you've lost where it's gone. So I, I got rid of saying. the whole plank and just used the normal. So once I got over that hiccup, yes, it's a nice distro made from um, Zubuntu. Would I use it? No, because like elementary, I found it too locked down, and I couldn't change those things that I wanted. So that sort of distro is not for me. I like to, even if I'm going to muck it up, I like to be able to give the permission to do what I want. And I, I guess I could have tried to fight it like I fought elementary in the past, where you, where you want to install stuff, you, you know, you install the, the common uh, bits of software that allow you to add PPAs. But I gave it a go. I had a look at it. Next. I'm interested to get your take on this, Ryan, because... You know, we've talked before at length that one of the reasons that you got into Linux is specifically to combat this idea that Linux is designed for older hardware and that if you want to try Linux, you should try it on the worst piece of crap, most junkiest $25 computer <laughs> you can find, and then compare it to your $3,500 MacBook Pro, and what you'll find out is Linux is so much better. Right. Um, and, 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 and while there is some merit to saying, let's, let's put some life into older machines, what do you think about a distro that does only that and is targeted towards that low-end market? I mean, I think it's fine for people to talk about the fact that Linux is great for old hardware because that's what it's been for a long time. The problem that I had in Linux is nobody was talking about it working on the latest and greatest hardware at all. In this case with Enzo, I think you make a really good point that the whole thing about, hey, we're green, they're kind of going off that green marketing on their first page saying that the green part is we run on older computers well so does every other distro i know of pretty much in linux i mean we'll run on an older machine so it's a kind of an interesting thing because michael you're talking about marketing in your talk 
when we look at marketing and they're they're trying to kind of create a niche in their marketing we're only talking about here not the OS itself that hey we're a green distro because you don't have to throw away your old computers yeah. and you can use Linux I don't think it's the best message to be sending out there in the market for Linux anymore. I think we're past it just works on old hardware. Um, but I talked about it in the talk, actually. Yeah. So, like, uh, Enzo is an interesting situation because if you look at the in the marketing aspect of it, I looked at it in two different ways of marketing. There's one of their, what marketing, how well are they doing the marketing they are aiming for? And they're doing that pretty well. Like they are focusing on the green aspect and that kind of thing, and they have uh, even like an, a, the search engine they use is a green green search engine that plants trees based on some kind okay, of so rare additional element. Yeah, they've done certain green. things okay. that are. I mean, that, that's that necessarily not for the distro, but it's something that they're doing to you know kind of just add more aspects to it. But it's more of a that's like they're doing the marketing of it is interesting in the fact that they're doing that part well. But as far as the goal of that marketing of being the older hardware, uh, I'm not a really a fan of that approach can, anyway. Can I just ask for a brief moment of clarification? Did you? Well, it's a two-part question. One, did you say that they plant trees based on search results, and then did you say that as as if it were a positive encouraging thing? <laughs> One, I said it's. Uh, I think it's a uh, eco ecosasia or something. I don't care what it's called. I'm just wondering if I got the details right. I'm not. I'm saying that, that it's it's a green thing in the sense that they plant trees based on something related to their search engine. I don't remember. I I, I looked it up a long time ago. That's I don't remember ridiculous. why. Yeah, just be careful because if you can use that search engine, one day your laptop's going to go skipping out into the garden and then start. <laughs> I think they plant trees in your computer. Trees. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting approach to it. But I don't remember exactly how they structured it. But I'll just I'm just as an example of like where they go a little extra step for the green aspect. So the marketing is kind of on point with the greenness. But at the same time, the older hardware being the main focus is kind of unfortunate because we need to kind of get away from that. I completely agree. I, I think that I'll put a pull request in that they plant an Arbor Vitae for every time that somebody Googles something about Linux. Sounds good. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, so maybe if that is not your thing, how about checking out Zorn OS 15 with their release? Now, we had two weeks back-to-back -back of amazing interviews out there. And so some of this news has actually been out there for a week or two, uh, but it's new to us, and we're going to give our opinions on it. So Zorn OS released. We had Zorn on the show before, and there's an interesting thing that Zorn does. We could talk about the Zorn Connect uh, features that they have in the new 15, the faster performance in the GNOME shell, and the, the kernel update that they did to 4.18, new desktop themes, tailored for touch screens, all of these cool things they're adding in. But I kind of want to have a group discussion here about the model that they have to pay something for the distro itself. Mm. So I'm interested to know what your opinions are on this because a couple of companies out there come to mind when I think about trying to change people's opinion on the free aspect of a distro. You can still yeah. use Zorin for free, but you can pay them up to I think $30 or 30 pounds or something 30, along those and basically it comes bundled with some extra apps and some themes now technically you go install all those apps yourself but it's kind of an interesting way to encourage people to pay something to yeah. keep these projects alive so is this a good thing or well, a bad thing? the only thing I've got against it is when Zorin was just being run by the two brothers yeah they had that option for the uh, ultimate version mm -hmm. and it was $10 but now they've either started a company or they were bought out by a company and wallop, overnight that 
donation that you have to give now for the ultimate which is just a couple of programs a couple of extra bits and pieces that you talked about in your mm -hmm. um presentation that you could do yourself and now all of a sudden it's forty dollars that's that's a huge leap for me interesting rocco what are your thoughts on zorg well Look, you know, anytime you get charged or you have a fee for a Linux distribution, you're going to have people that are upset. You're just going to. Yeah. Um, but the idea that they give you Zorn free in the normal version, and you can do everything that you can do in the free version that you can do in the Ultimate manually, Right. I, I don't have a problem with them charging for the main or the Ultimate because of the fact that they're not giving you any more features except for uh, ma uh, less manual customization. Yeah. You can click a button and the theme will change to another different layout. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Noah? I, I like it, and I and I like I specifically like the fact that there are distributions that are targeting specific user bases. I think all too often what we find is that distros create distros for the purpose of creating distros, and that can be a very frustrating thing as somebody who watches these distros rise and fall. I think anytime you start looking at a very specific audience, which Zorin is doing, analyzing what that audience is looking for out of a software uh, distribution, which that which Zorn is doing, and then iterate on that and provide that service or that product to them, I think that's a very valuable contribution to Linux. And even if, let's just, I don't believe this, but let's just assume for a moment that Zorn OS doesn't actually make a mark in its own user base in the targeted market, well, guess what? All of those other markets that are targeting similar users are going to have to iterate even more, and any features that Zorn does come up with, they're going to have to compete with that. So it, either way, the user wins. Yeah. And I, and I think that's good. But is this a situation where Zorn's doing it the right way, right? Because the, one of the things I love about Linux is that it bridges the digital divide. No matter how much money you have or don't have, mm -hmm. you can still use the same programs that anybody else can use in Linux no matter where you're at. That's a very important thing that Linux brings to the corporate world of operating systems yeah. and software. But is this going to encourage other distros to do it the wrong way, where now everybody just starts charging 30 bucks for their distro to use it? Is this something where it's going to create a negative trend? I mean, some people would would suggest that that might happen. It's like a slippery slope type thing. But I don't think that any of them is going to do that, because the, the first distro to kind of do that was elementary. And there's not been anyone who's gone to a, like the malicious approach since then. And it's been a while since they first got that. When they first announced the, that they were going to do uh, the the donation when you first download it that was there and was, it was a, a huge default, right? you yeah, still choose right. to opt out of it you could choose yeah. to opt out but it was like all you had to do is type zero in the thing and click download and that was that was an option that people like a lot of people lost their minds over and it was uh, over like months they had a, a ton of backlash and it didn't really hurt them that much and it didn't create and it wasn't actually a malicious approach you could still get the stuff for free and the same thing with Zorn you can still get the actual distro for free and then you uh, you just add extra stuff like the interface switching and the theme switching and that kind of thing. And I think the way that they're doing it is is a totally reasonable approach because it also adds a value to their stuff more so than just the, the you know they're if you see a price on something it, it adds it to some people's opinions of if it's free it's not good and having a value on it kind of gives an extra you know nuance to it in that that respect uh, but also the, the the marketing of that the, that they're doing is a good approach too because they're doing a lot of um, effort into making it show that the 
the district the dis the sections and the branches of the different of the distribution are not uh, you know hindered in any way they're just uh, an extra premium that you can get for but you don't necessarily need to it's kind of like cosmetics in games or loot crates for example where you loot don't have to do such them. a bad idea mm. well I'm towards I'm not saying it's not a, it's loot crates in the sense of what's in loot crates is not necessary yeah. But you can still get them if you want them. This is not necessary to get to have these different features in the distro, but it just adds an enhancement and improves it in certain ways that's mostly cosmetic. But I think if you let that story play out, you're going to find that the people that are doing it wrong aren't going to succeed. Yeah. Mm. You know, you, you have a model here where uh, we talk about supporting developers, supporting distros all the time, and they're putting forth their idea of a model to gain support and gain the monetary funds that they need. So, you know, like I said, I think the idea is great just because of the way they're implementing it. And the guys that do it wrong, they're not going to succeed anyway. Yeah. They're going to get the ba they're going to get the backlash that's deserved. I mean, there's if someone's going to get backlash for doing something that might have potential to be against it, the ones that are definitely doing it against the community will have a ton of backlash and, you know, be be shut down so quick that it wouldn't be worth it doesn't really matter. Interesting. And also, the, 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 it's interesting to point out is that uh, Zorin was also one of the examples that I gave inside of the talk, the talk I gave, which I'll be uploading on the channel uh, later. Um, which I, I, is, lo I love it. I love what they've done here. I think it's a really interesting yeah. way. But the one thing that I'm, you know, to me, that would be more of a selling point would be a later kernel, more hardware enablement for paying for a distro like hey, by his. the way do you run arch but that uh, but, but that might go <laughs> I do run the arch. idea oh, okay that might go against the idea of not giving anybody any more features like you could still get it for free the same kernel right the same hardware that's a good point you're right yep. so, at that point you're changing yeah. the the dynamic at, of the OS entirely right. yep fair enough all right, Michael, I know you're excited to get into this next one. In fact, you're probably boiling over and can't wait, and we're going to cut your mic off at five minutes. Go. Plasma 516. <laughs> and uh, so KDE Plasma 516 was released. And uh, yes, I am excited. There is a lot of stuff in here. There's a lot of stuff that's just like paper cut improvements and that kind of thing. But there's also some stuff that's been rewritten to improve the overall experience. So uh, first of all, uh, let's uh, first on those we're going to talk about the, the brand new notification system because that is one of the things I've been most excited about for this release and I've been waiting Finally. for them to make a, a great notification system for a very long time because they, they basically had a notification system that was uh, ported from the Plasma 4 days that was not ported very well and there had some issues with it and like for at least a I don't know, six releases or so. They didn't have a notification history, and then they finally added one. So, like, there's, but the interesting thing about this is that this was completely rewritten and replacing the exist the previous one, and adds so many cool features. Like, I mean, one of the things that you you could have used earlier was the do not disturb mode. Oh, I, I, this is the one of the greatest features ever. You have no idea how many times I've been in the middle of recording a YouTube video. Yeah. Right. And then, so many times. And then you you pop up or somebody yeah. else is just like hey what's going on man right and it yep. pops up on the screen i'm like I sometimes i try to time to it on purpose telegram <laughs> off. um so yeah. do not disturb is just a fantastic feature that is just so necessary great yeah. feature but what they now need is a reminder for michael to turn his notifications off before we record the show that's right because michael does so it's, it all it's the only time. as good as the person behind the keyboard <laughs> yes that's true i'll just it, i'll, I'll set up an automatic timer just if to do you that. do not disturb wouldn't that fix it I mean, it wouldn't be doing disturbing all the time. So, well, but I mean, you could, you know, use it during destination. I, I could actually, if I was to remember to use it, yeah. 
<laughs> so I, I think I, I guess that's it. Add to our checklist, Noah. I guess so. Wavy hard lines, hard drive space. space. <laughs> are you in D and D? Let me ask you this: uh, Are we all running plasma? I know you are, Michael. Of course. It looks like you are. Yeah. And I am, Zeb. Peppermint. XFC. Peppermint. Don't be silly. That doesn't use X. That doesn't use plasma. It should, but yeah. Pla plasma's nice, but peppermint's better. Rocco. Uh, Papa was. What I use. Okay, so you're on GNOME then? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. So the interesting thing is, I, I, I guess let's, <laughs> let's start with this, is what ledger, I'm sure you've tried different desktop environments. Right. I've tried different desktop environments, Michael, mm -hmm. I'm sure you have too. Maybe. What originally land, landed us on Plasma to begin with, with the exception of the two oddballs here? Because I, I, what, <laughs> what I found... What I found was that I tried to use other desktop environments, and I came across problems that were simply intolerable to me, mm -hmm. things that would not exist in Windows, Mac OS, and things that I wasn't willing to put up with. And I have to tell you, in I don't know, I've probably been on Plasma now for eight, nine months solid. Mm -hmm. No problems at all. I don't, have a, I don't have a single thing that I can point to and be like, oh, that's kind of weird, uh, at least not a Plasma-specific problem. Yep. Um, is that is that how you wound up there, or is there something else that brought you to Plasma to begin with? I mean, for me, I you guys know I love XFCE, but as my hardware is upgraded, as I've gotten high DPI monitor now, 1440p, uh, as as things have changed, XFCE, unfortunately, until the new version comes out, doesn't really support a lot of the scaling. Yep. Also, you know, because my channel specifically, a lot of new people to Linux started with me back in the 30 days of Linux, but a lot of other new people are coming in and watching those videos and still commenting on them. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I want to show the best of making things look very modern. And KDE looks the most modern, in my opinion, when I'm shooting videos or doing those things. So for computers that I don't use for videos, I'll utilize XFCE or something that I, but for any video that I'm doing that, um, or any system that I'm using that's gonna go out there to the public, I wanna show them the best of Linux, and I think KDE Plasma has the best looking desktop environment, out, one of the best, at least, out there uh, to show people. Whereas XFCE, no matter how much you model it currently, till that new version yeah, comes out, still it's still little. Looks a little dated. Yeah, there's still a little bit there. So I guess my question then going forward is: Do these new improvements change your perception, Zeb and Rocco? Is Plasma, as they continue to, to iterate and come out with some really cool features, and hearing from three guys that are pretty pretty solidly happy with Plasma, do you guys hear that and say to yourselves, maybe I should check that out, or you're happy, you're at home, you're moved in, things are good, not looking for a, for a changeup? Yes. <laughs> That Great question feedback. had multiple answers. <laughs> no, I love KDE. I always have. Okay, and KDE was my basically my go-to desktop environment for years. But I always have a love-hate relationship with it, where there's just little things that drive me insane, and there will be times where I'm getting crashes where nobody else is getting crashes. I've never had KDE crash. Um, so I flip back and forth every couple months, maybe every four, five, six months to from GNOME to KDE Plasma. So yes, there are all of these features that I look at and say, man, that would be awesome. And looking at all the features that Plasma has already. Yes, that would be awesome to try. But I'm trying to stop my distro hopping ways. Mm. So you should try Arch. Um, is it the pixels being off in the screen sometimes that makes you switch between the desktop environments? I'm going to be honest. One of the things that KDE 
lax, plasma lax, is a once you start changing the themes up, uh-huh. the whole overall look of the desktop looks great when you're viewing GTK apps and Q- QT apps, except when you start changing the theme up. There are not many overall themes that make the desktop look as good as it does with the Breeze theme. But I don't necessarily like the Breeze theme to be on all the time. I'm usually switching my theme around or something. And that's when I run into issues where it just does not look right, especially the GTK apps. Yeah, that's because... Uh, a lot of a lot of app uh, theme developers are, are picking one of the sides and not doing the whole thing. So they'll be, uh, except for like Arc, for example, they did all of them. They did KDE and they did all the GTK-based right. stuff. So with those... Uh, it looks great, but there's a, occasionally you'll see uh, GTK theme makers not ignore the cute and KDE stuff, and then you'll see KDE theme makers ignore the GTK stuff. But uh, like for example, KDE with the breeze, the why it looks great regardless is because the the KDE people like took consideration of every toolkit, making it making sure it all worked. But there's there's definitely going to be some theming issues. Uh, like what's interesting thing is like why do you is it the colors of the breeze theme or is it just like the decorations or whatever? Well, I think the I usually change the window borders and I usually and 9 times out of 10 when you change the window borders, mm-hmm. it doesn't exactly match up with the same color. Mm. Um and I don't necessarily like the dark theme all over. Yeah. So sure. Like I said, I'm usually looking to make it look like flat no, sure. gnomish. So type let's thing? say, for example, do you or do you have anything issues with like the border of the windows for Breeze? Like if you just talk about the way the buttons look and the icons look and stuff, yeah. if you could change the colors uh, easily, would that be something you'd be willing to do? Yeah. Okay. So there is a, one of the things I really love about Plasma is that it's so customizable. And admittedly, just good luck finding those customizations. Okay. Yes, I was going to admit the exact same thing. Yes. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that you you can't you can do if you know where to go and one of the things is that you can change the colors of literally any aspect of the breeze theme fairly easily because they have a color scheme system and cute and you can just go and change the uh, the color values and change it to whatever you want so you can make it flat looking you can make it however you want it to look uh admit but it does it is kind of awkward to do so but there are some ways to install color schemes from the kde store so once you have find something from there It'll yeah okay it's so it's, has it's a little awkward. convinced you Rocco to go it's ahead possible. and switch to KDE. <laughs> I might be switching. No, <laughs> no, it's possible. I I mean I understand. I went through all the color schemes and everything. I was just never able to make it look the way I wanted it. And maybe yeah. I'm too picky sometimes. I don't know. I mean it's definitely just some, it's it, it's, no, it's very Rocco, finical, not you. especially with the never too picky. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes the pixels are off a little bit. Sometimes the pixels are <laughs> off, and that stuff bothers me. Yeah. I mean. It drove me insane for the longest time that I saw the dotted line at the bottom of, you know, Zubuntu or Ubuntu Mate. You see the dotted line at the bottom of some windows. Yeah. Why did you just, I just found out a few weeks ago, a month ago, that it was purposely put there. Like, this drove me insane. Why would you it's put dotted lines? And the reason is it's a indication, a visual indication, to show you that there's, you can scroll. But I didn't realize that. So, not a very good indication then. 
No, it's not a very indica- good indication, but yeah. that's yeah. the way it is. So then the little things bother me. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, there's are some there are some things that I've seen about lip plasma that I don't, I don't like about it, but there are things that, uh, like, for example, when you open an application and the icon just starts bouncing randomly, like from, like, 1990s or something, that's weird. But there are a lot of stuff that, like, the reason why I, if we go back to the original question about, like, why plasma is something that I, I switched to, I used to be a GNOME user. I used to be not mo- more than just a gnome user. Did you just admit to that? He did. Yeah, I did. Oh my I, gosh! No, we never. This is breaking news, Noah. Yeah. I wasn't aware that he was a dirty gnome user. It's been years. <laughs> it's been years. Uh, and I agree, gross. But um, I, I've been. I used gnome for yeah, multiple years. I, not only with that, I was also a maintainer of extensions for about like I think twelve or fourteen extensions in the gnomes in the, the extensions website store thing. Um, and there. After a while, GNOME just started annoying me, so I started looking for other options. And I was having a conversation with someone on a Mumble server, and they started telling me about how they were, you know, Plasma fan or whatever. And I incorrectly published the uh, or pushed forward the uh, the myth that Plasma was bloated. And they were like, they were, you know, immediately started yelling at me, like, "Have you tried it in the past like four or five years?" I love this person. They're yelling at Michael. This yeah, is absolutely. a good thing. Did they recommend Arch? Uh, actually, they might have. I don't remember. Oh, Ryan, what are you doing on the Mumble server? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember what it was, but it, it was it was interesting because they when they 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 pointed out the fact that I hadn't used Plasma since a specific version that was incredibly bloated. There was a version in four dot four, four dot three, something like that, that was incredibly bloated and messed up. And they admittedly, and KDE admitted it, it was messed up. And they went and fixed it in like 4.6, and it was perfectly fine after that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like, we had a conversation previously about how people have like a, a notion that they're stuck with. And that was basically what I, I had. And during that conversation with him, it was like, you're right, I haven't tried it in so long, I shouldn't even have an opinion of it. And when I tried it again, he basically told me there was this feature that he, I, he convinced me with just try it because it was really interesting, where you can remove the, the window borders just by you know uh, right-clicking the title bar, and you can remove them completely and save a bunch of real estate space, which is really cool. And it made it possible to do like full screen without really doing full screen. Mm-hmm. And that was a cool idea. So when he told me to do it, I uh, was like, okay, I'll try it. And I said, I will give it a fair shake. I'll give it a, a week. And I'll tell you whether whether I'll keep it or not as as you know up to that week, and uh, it's been six years, so uh, I think it was a pretty good test, and uh, and plasma is is mainly the reason I keep it is because it allows me to customize so much to exact workflow I want, and also ret- retain it when I just move to a different. Di- I can move to a completely different distro. Well, unfortunately, and keep Michael, it. we're at time, so you have no. There's uh... no such thing. We're talking about plasma, and it is is continuing. <laughs> Okay, but basically, it was the reason why I love Plasma is once you set it, it doesn't change things randomly. It doesn't just, you know, uh, there's sometimes where it'll break some occasionally and won't work with certain hardware. But if you make a setting and then you you use it again, it's going to be that setting where the last time you used it. Or uh, one of the things I also love about it is that when I create this massive custom thing because it's super custom, and it's going to be um, a, that's probably not on it. We're going to pretend it wasn't on you it. You don't have the do not disturb on. Do you? I did, but that's an exception. It probably popped up notifications. I'll, I will show why. I will show why it's an exception later. But, is that a Microsoft phone? Uh, it looked like a Windows phone. It was not. It was definitely not. It was a BlackBerry, <laughs> uh, but not really. Uh, anyway, so the the, like the, the for the BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah, right, right, or even willing to, but. 
They, the the reason why I like KDE, one of the main reasons is the the portability of it, which most people would completely disagree. Of like, once you have it, you're like, I can't change distributions because uh, it would be so much more effort to do it again. But it's not actually like that because you have the, the all of the stuff is sort, sort in flat files like normal uh, stuff, but they also set it up in a configuration section where you just copy the KDE folder, put that KDE folder back onto your new system, everything's back to normal, exactly how you had it. Well, that sounds really good, but I just wanted to clarify um, my previous comments about no, I use Peppermint. You all know I distro hop like crazy, yeah? So <laughs> I need a rock solid base that I can come back to and it just works for me and I'm you I'm, I'm familiar with it and it and it's I'm, I'm at home whenever I distro hop I always used to install the XFCE, XFCE desktop not anymore now I'm looking for that plasma experience um, OpenSUSE tumbleweed plasma is fantastic mm -hmm. Kubuntu fantastic um, they just have so many really good KDE um, instances out there that that's now my when i'm away from peppermint and trying to use something else i will install plasma to see whether or not they match up to the other ones that i've tried so yeah plasma is definitely becoming a number one choice but it will always be peppermint for me yeah well there's i mean so to go back to the main topic of 516 no we got to go back to the main topic of 516 because i wanted to talk about this one feature that i really liked that they did let me even mention the first 15 minutes but now he's going to get to it yeah now, now we were talking no you asked the question that's your fault okay so <laughs> but the, the yeah the, the main thing i i think that is another is, is the notification system in this particular release but there's another really cool one and that is an update to the the KDE Discover that adds support, uh, fairly well, good support for app images, which is very rare in most software centers, almost completely non-existent in, in some of them. And uh, I think that's a really cool feature to add. And plus, the Plasma Network Manager now has support for WireGuard, which makes yes. WireGuard yes. so easy. Yes, that is awesome. That is cool. So is that the flat pack integration that Peppermint's had since version 9? No, it's app image. Ah, app image, my yeah. bad. They also have flat pack as well. But Thought I got it. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked a lot on previous episodes um, and at large about the concept of privacy as a service. People are becoming more hip to the idea that you pay for everything you do in one of two ways. You either pay for your wallet or you pay with your privacy. And as people are becoming more privacy conscious, they're beginning to look at services in which they can implement privacy without having to go through all the hassle of implementing privacy, right? Because in order to do it properly, you probably have to spin up a bunch of VMs to set up your own VPN, set up your own email, set up your own calendar, set up your own contacts, all of those things. And uh, we've seen ProtonMail come out with a uh, with a, with an alternative. We watched the Librem folks promise an alternative, and now. Uh, it turns out Mozilla is considering something similar. They're calling it Firefox Premium, and it's spe uh, specifically called on Mozilla to create an offering like the Librem One service. It looks like they may be taking this very seriously. Mozilla CEO Chris Beard discussed premium levels of paid services, things like VPNs and other privacy-based services, with reportedly 90% of Mozilla's income coming from deals with companies like Google, Amazon, and Yahoo. It seems like it's a very important move. Now, nobody has exact details on when these so-called premium services will be available, but they did say this in response, quote, we'll probably launch some of the new services first, and then we'll think carefully about which model makes the most sense while helping to ensure base user safety Firefox 
and many security features with services like ETP enhanced tracking protocol will still be free. So I, I guess what do you guys think about this? My initial reaction is something like this. I think that anytime we have the opportunity to increase our privacy, that's a good thing. Anytime mm -hmm. we can lower the barrier to increasing privacy, that's a good thing. Where I, where I guess I get some pause is anytime a company wants to do this that I don't believe is properly in line with its users' values. And suffice to say, I believe that Mozilla is a company that is aligned with its users' values. I think they want the same things from their users as their users want from them. And, and so I think that creates a very symbiotic relationship. What do you think? I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because when we last talked about this, it was kind it was a it was I mean I'm a big fan of Mozilla I'm a big fan of Firefox I made a video recently about the seven reasons why it's my favorite browser, and I think that Mozilla does a lot of stuff they make mistakes of course every once in a while because that's going to happen because you know it's ran by humans and I I think that it's it is great that they're trying to do this I mean we don't know exactly if this is what they're trying to do because there's only a, the only example we have right now is a VPN service and it could be other options like they they might even do you know email options or a calendar options or stuff like that that'd be really cool and when we were talking about it last time we both when we were talking about the premium services that for example purism was doing with the Librem one one of the things i was talking about is that i think that mozilla would be the if they were to do it i would be so much more you know excited for them to do it because that would be uh promoting such a, a, a an organization that has you know been participating in the open source community for decades i think is i don't remember, I remember exactly when firebird started or when phoenix started but like right after that when they made firefox like it's been such a, a vital aspect uh, and it was the first one battling uh, internet explorer after mosaic died like i think that it's such an important uh, organization that they're and that and all the things that they're doing now with the like the uh, enhanced tracking protection stuff they added all this stuff is a fundamental piece that is important to like personally for me and i think for a lot of us in, in general that it's it's something that i think would be great and mozilla is something is, a, is an organization i think would be probably my first choice for something like this i mean i think it's interesting i i struggle in one aspect which my opinion is going to vary from i think most of the people on this panel in You're that wrong. Firefox has done amazing things for open source, continues to do so. I look at three things here. You have privacy and security, which mm -hmm. Firefox has done really well. But then you have this idea of freedom of the Internet. And I don't know, and that's really my position, that Fire Mozilla is a company that truly values freedom of the Internet. On, on, on both sides of it yeah. and there have been cases that are not blatantly wrong or right with Mozilla in mm -hmm. which certain things have happened apps have been taken down or things Mr. Robot don't, yeah. yeah and we don't know <laughs> whether that's just truly mistakes or right. if there's something else behind the scenes and mm -hmm. I have some pause some pause with the idea that yes they're private yes they're secure but do they respect true internet freedom i don't know that's the part that i would love to see mozilla spend some more time on even with these services is getting back to that now they say it in their messaging but do they truly believe that because there are other first of all when in that episode and i got some flack for this when i said mozilla was going to take a huge hit for when they had the app issue their extensions went down mm -hmm. well the numbers yeah, have come that, out that they lost 10 percent of their entire base during that period so yeah. that I was, was a, right that was a from blunder. a business perspective 
they lost a huge amount. People yeah. went to the alternate browsers out yeah. there, much like I expected. This is a great move from a business standpoint because they're diversifying their portfolio and they're going after other services. I see great partnership opportunities with Proton, great partnership yeah, opportunities that, with Pia VPN. Uh, calendar and contacts and docs is something that everyone's looking for a really easy to implement solution. There are mm -hmm. great solutions like Nextcloud and things, but they're not easy that I can go, you know. Oh, yeah. Tell are, everything that we have is really great for the self-hosted and the open source aspect. They're all fantastic. Right. But each having a separate thing for each individual thing that you want to do is cumbersome, especially for the, the mainstream. And a lot of them are very complicated to set up. I mean, for example, Nextcloud, it took, you know, it took snaps to make it reasonable to use. Right. Prior to that, it took... Uh, I don't know. It took it took so much effort. You could basically say, "I'll, and I'll install Gentoo or something." Now, with all like this said, currently, if Mozilla released a product like this, would I pay for it? Absolutely. Yeah. I just I I don't know that I throw all my eggs in this basket because I I'm fearful of any company getting too much control over anything because. Have you heard of Google? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good point. That's yeah. that's exactly why I'm fearful of it. Yeah. Um, it's actually interesting that over the last year, my position on um, security and privacy has changed quite considerably. I was one of these uh, th those sort of people who said, I've got nothing to hide. What do I care? Um, and then you slowly learn bit by bit what companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon and, and other people are doing. Now, it's, it's, it's a silly little example, but here I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh -huh. So why did my son in Swanley, Kent, get Google Maps asking him, did he want to download a local map of Charlotte, North Carolina? Maybe it's because we have the same surname. Maybe it's because at some time that was my phone and he's now using it and they've still got it associated somehow. But mm. why, when I'm in self, would it ask to download a local map of North Carolina? And that is spooky. And the other thing that I think really hit home today was we had a, uh, a wonderful talk by Bo. Oh, so yeah? good. And he was just innocuously talking about a dentist data center that he used to work in and you know they they he had access to everywhere that he used to have to go and then all of a sudden he was stopped by two gentlemen with guns now this is just a data center that nobody knew what it was doing how it was doing who was involved in there it's just a data center these two guys were the nsa mm -hmm. how many more of, of these little pockets of information are just being picked up and taken by these organizations. I don't know whether this this um, Firefox offering will help prevent that. I don't know if they can get into the VPNs and all that sort of stuff. From what I understand and the fact that I use uh, private internet access, they can't. Um, and it's been proven on many a court case where they've said to us, give us the information about this. And we say, we can't because we simply don't store it. But I just don't know whether they will be able to hack into the background. So. Like you, would I pay for this? Hell yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is a, a. I would definitely pay for it in general. I mean, I'm a fan of Firefox and Mozilla, and I agree. Mozilla has done some issues, have some issues, and I think that the the whether they're fully for the freedom aspects has been is is valid to be in question. Uh, but I think that they are like ultimately for it. They just make missteps in, along the way, and I think the open web is also a really important thing for them. Yeah. That so that the, the service like this, that is basically a web service, and also we do know for a, a fact that the VPN that they are going to use for this is Proton VPN. So uh, they have a partnership with Proton already, 
And so when, when they announced this, it made sense that they were going to be kind of rolling out something like it. So we don't know for sure that this is it, but it more than likely is based on the amount of uh, data we have currently. So I'm looking forward to it, and I will definitely pay for it if they, if they make it, because if, if they make it easy to do all these things and, we, and it's promoted to the rest of the, the, the world, and I think they are, the one, they are a good opportunity for the mainstream to get this information, to get access to these things. Because like, the mainstream's not gonna install Nextcloud, Nextcloud or whatever. They're not gonna set up a, a, a VPS or whatever. And this is a good way to do that. Rocco, any thoughts? I think it's a great idea to put all these services out there. Everybody wants these kind of services, yeah. especially grouped all in one. But the problem I have is Firefox, and you called them mistakes, but they have been making series of mistakes in the last year and my question is do you want a company that has been making these mistakes for the last year in charge of your privacy I know that Google's out there I know that there's many worse things out there but what I'm saying is I just don't want to champion yes let's Firefox go with this knowing that there's They've been making a series. Let, let of me uh, let yeah. me jump in to de defend Michael a little bit. If if you um wait what? Yeah, what's happened? Wait what? Defend me? When does that works. ever happen? <laughs> so let confused. me let me agree with you on Michael's wrong. <laughs> um, it, it, the Mozilla as a company, yeah, they may make mistakes, but I, I guess what I would ask or what I would challenge anybody that really questions Mozilla is, have you attended any of their open meetings? Because one of the mm -hmm. things I think is so fantastic about Mozilla is all of their meetings are in the open. So anybody can, can show up, listen to their conversation, listen to the discussion they're having, come up with the decisions, and then say, I don't like that you're doing this, and here's why, and offer feedback. And I think all too often, and I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else, I think all too often we wait until the news comes out and we go, why did they do that? Yeah. Because nobody showed up and told them not to. Yeah, there's, um, there's sometimes where they don't listen, and then you realize when they you, they didn't listen, they had a better idea. So, like, for example, the tab groups, they announced this. Sure. That they were going to end the tab groups at, at like, a, like six months before they actually ended it, and I was really annoyed that they were going to get rid of it. And I went into the, the open meeting, and, I, and I, they were talking about it, and I, I gave my issues about why they didn't. They said, we can't tell you right now, but we do have a replacement, and it's going to be better. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll trust that statement. And then they make container tabs, and it is ten times better but then the tab groups. Tab groups was cool to use, but container tabs are awesome and fundamentally yeah. changes my the way of using features them. features Firefox has. Yeah, it's awesome. So I, I guess what I would say is that I agree Mozilla isn't a perfect organization. I, I do think they are drastically better than Google, and I think that at least unlike other corporate companies, I think they are plugged into the community, so I think we have some recourse to have a discussion with them at the very least, mm -hmm. make our voices heard, and let them know, hey, um, if we don't like this, will you do something about it? If they continue to not honor that, then I agree completely. I think we should cast them aside. And you know what the reality is? With Chrome being 94% of the market space, it ain't going to be that hard to push them out of the way if they start stepping on users, right? Yep. I'm depressed now. So earlier we were talking about how I there's a, something that I was really excited to talk about, and that was the, the plasma topic. And now we know that there's absolutely something that Ryan is super excited to talk about. So... What is that, Ryan? I just love that I get to do this next to you, Rocco, and to you, Zeb. Face-to-face, -face, I get to tell you about how your companies must be spitting their coffee all over their screens when AMD went to Computex and <laughs> dropped the bombs that they dropped. 
But I don't want to rub this in. Just let me. Yes, you do. Okay, yes, I do. <laughs> I really want to rub this in. Uh, Go ahead. Tell me about another AMD announcement that might not meet up to its hype. Oh, it's it will. It will. How dare you, sir? Um, so first of all, let's start with the GPUs, and I'll try to get through this quickly because honestly, AMD dropped so many new pieces mm -hmm. of hardware here that all of these numbers are just going to kind of run together. But the first thing I want to say is Lisa Su, one of the best tech CEOs, period, right now, just absolutely done an amazing job with this company and continues to create so much hype for the products and what they're releasing there. So uh, big shout out to her. But first in the GPU market, we have AMD really uh, rebranding their new architecture as what they're calling RDNA. And this is replacing their form of Vega architecture. And this continues the seven nanometer lineup. You're gonna see why this matters. So before, especially when you're talking about CPUs, uh, seven nanometer is coming out. It's going to mean more room for things, more transistor counts, all of this. But you're going to see in the last announcement what they were able to accomplish and why seven nanometer makes such a big uh, difference. But in this case, they released an RX 5700 GPU. Now, this is a competitor against the NVIDIA RTX 2070, perhaps the 2080 line somewhere in there. Perhaps. Now, they're going after the mm -hmm. mid-range market here, and they always have. That's where AMD is dominated. Yeah. Now, unlike... You know, Intel, who just goes for CPUs at the moment, hopefully they're going to have a GPU lineup soon. You have uh, AMD competing against Intel and NVIDIA in the GPUs where they just create the GPU market. So yep. they're going against two massive companies here in this lineup, and they're going after the mid-range and price market. So even if you're a fan with NVIDIA, which I'm sorry if that's the case, um, you will get a price drop, likely, because of these announcements. So you should be thinking Lisa Sue anyways. Uh, but what they're getting here in the 5700 is a $349 card. A $349 card that competes with the 272080 and in some cases showing 88 frames per second. In this case, a very minor, honestly, shift in performance between the NVIDIA and the AMD versus their 72. Um, but then at E3, Lisa Sue wasn't done. She went and dropped in the 5700 XT, which throws in 8 gigabytes of GDR6, so uh, much cheaper RAM there than the HBM2s that they were using in Radeon 7, uh, which was finally a good choice, especially when you're talking price point at, and bringing that card in at $449. So you're still $50 to $100 cheaper either where you go staying with AMD and you're getting the same performance of the equivalent NVIDIA card. So there they're going for price per performance, which is what you're going to hear a lot in the GPU side. Yeah. But this is the new family line, starting from the Radeon 7, still their most powerful card, what I currently run, but now they're bringing in some mid-ranges with the 7 nanometer, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I think the most exciting thing, though, is coming up, because let's talk about the CPUs. The CPUs are where everything changes, where the whole ball game just gets dropped. So they... Lisa comes out and she says, "Hey, we're going to we're doing this beyond 8 cores." Which is interesting is the next couple of CPUs they launch here, the 3700X, the 3800X, they just start she starts dropping them and their competitors against the i9-9920Xs, um, etc. But um, one of the things that she she does is you're you're wondering, "Well, when is the 16 core because these are all still 8 cores?" So then finally we get the announcement on the R9-3900X, which was the showstopper. This has 12 cores, 4.6 gigahertz boost clock, uh, 3.8 base, 70 megabytes of cache on the CPU. 
But you remember the old rumor where Ryzen's would heat, and it's not a rumor, it was true, Ryzen AMD CPUs would heat a room. If you had yeah, them in yeah. a laptop, they'd burn your lap. Yeah. Which is sure. very true because a lot of times they required tons of wattage in order to power them, right? Yeah. Well, in this case, you have the Ryzen chips coming in at 105 watts TDP mm. versus their competitors in Intel still running at 165 watts. By the way, the CPU costs $499. Yeah. The closest i9 competitor to it is 1100 bucks. That's when Intel spit their coffee all over the screen, probably had a heart attack and had no idea what AMD was doing. Yeah. But it's kind of it's awesome because the whole joke about the heating at the room now is, is switched to Intel completely. Now it's switched yep. to Intel. Now you have a lower wattage CPU thanks to 7 nanometer, yeah. thanks to the improved architecture that they have here, lower wattage, better performance all the way around. There's really nothing to compete against it, but Except themselves. It's it still wasn't done. <laughs> she goes to E three and drops another another chip. All this works on the AM four form factor, by the way. So if you currently have a Ryzen, well, you have the Threadripper, so that's not. I was going to say, what's all this hassle with you trying to dig me? I've gone Threadripper, You're baby. Only half AMD. I've gone. <laughs> only half of you. I'm is only right. half AMD because they are still not getting anywhere near You're the twenty eighty. TI. Can you cut his mic off? Bring it on. <laughs> bring it on when they can get near that. Rocco, when you've seen this, were you like, my gosh, Ryan's been right this whole time? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> okay, well, she drops a 16-core, 32-thread, 3950X at 4.7 gigahertz, 72 megabytes of cache. By the way, it runs at only 105 watts still, so now you're in your Threadripper territory, Zeb, with the yeah. amount of cores and processors. Remember earlier I said the 7 nanometer, this is where it matters? You've taken a Threadripper architecture, put it in an AM4 size chip, and now you have it for $749, still cheaper than the Intel. Absolutely, and, and in line with roundabout what the Threadripper that I bought, the 2950, that's roughly, roughly what it what it cost. So that's an awesome announcement. And finally, just before you guys cut off my mic, you have PCIe 4, which is really important uh, technology upgrade here because you're basically uh, gigabyte transfer per second is doubled in this case with PCIe 4, and there's going to be tons of applications for this. In, in fact, they were doing demos um, against NVIDIA, much higher end cards in which they were getting better frames per second than uh, 2070s and 2080s, much because of the PCIe 4, even though they were using video cards that pound for pound were not as competitive yeah. as it because PCI 4 that express lane being opened up that bigger bus lane is just such an important feature of the new AM5 wasn't the PCI 3 wasn't that like one bus lane had a certain amount of speed and you couldn't do it and then and then well on the current motherboard so if you currently have a motherboard you you don't have the new architecture you can convert one of your PCIe lanes to a 4 depending on your hardware manufacturer mm -hmm. the new boards all of your PCIe lanes will be 4 nice. so this is going to be a huge deal nice. and finally AMD look they have the Microsoft Azure partnership now where they have 11,500 epic cores they bought they got Sony PlayStation 5 now signed mm -hmm. on they have the uh, new Microsoft Xbox signed on they have uh, you know, basically they're surrounded over, the market yeah. and taken over. Even the new Atari coming out is going to have an AMD in it. It's it's just incredible, and I, I'm so happy to see competition being in this market. And you can rest assured, come July, I will have that CPU, and we'll be doing some videos on it. We believe you. Uh, OpenSUSE. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, it's fine. Yes. We, we believe believe you because it's a pretty much a guarantee. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, we, we believe you. The OpenSUSE team is considering different options for governance in the future. Now, up to this point, OpenSUSE has been governed by SUSE, which has presented some interesting challenge when it comes to organizing events or taking donations. So the time has come for OpenSUSE to look at its options for more independence. Now, I guess the first thing I want to ask is, does this have anything to do with SUSE yet again um, changing hands and... I, let's be honest. They exert a certain amount of control, or have a certain amount of control, whether they exert it or not. And the open source community, or open source community rather, uh, uh, wants to separate from that. You know, despite seeking out a change in government, Richard Brown and Seuss leadership have reiterated their commitment to one another because they they go hand in hand. It is a symbiotic relationship. The open source leverages a lot of the development funds and th- and, and innovations that occur at that uh, large corporate level and at the same time a lot of the people that are testing things are able to do that on OpenSUSE because it's a community project and they don't have to SUSE doesn't have to risk customers to get there uh, what do you think uh, it's interesting because i think that it's a it's an issue that's it's right in my field house of branding and marketing and stuff um, but it's a hard thing to do because the OpenSUSE is OpenSUSE using SUSE's main name for so long Switching it is going to be difficult, just to, to say the least. But if, 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 in the sense of like the limitations that they have with the SUSE Corporation having being, um, you know, kind of controlling a little bit, not necessarily in a negative way, but they're limiting what Open SUSE can do, and by limiting what they can do, it also sets it set a position that where they they're kind of you know stuck stuck in a in a rut in a, in some cases. Like tumbleweed is awesome, and Leap is really cool for how what they do. But at the same time, they're they're still very limited in, in certain ways. And if they were to change their brand, they don't have to worry about Seuss trademark affecting them. And that's the main thing is that the the trademark, whatever they do as Open Sousa reflects on Sousa, and that could be a, a break point for Sousa allowing them to do certain things. And if they were to change the brand, it'd be very difficult to do. But it could be also a really good thing for them to do. But they have so much in that brand I don't know if it's really that best of an idea yeah I mean everything's on the table I I feel for Richard Brown we had him on the show a couple episodes ago it was a fantastic interview but I feel for him on the aspect that this is a tough situation you've got to work with Sousa and make sure that you have you're working towards independence but you're also keeping the peace and you also have a community where everybody has a different idea of do we change the name of OpenSUSE? Do we yeah. even go forward with this? Because everything's on the table. They could just say, okay, we're not going to end up doing this at all. But it's been something that apparently has brought up multiple years that they've been wanting to do. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of advantages for OpenSUSE to do this move yep. from a donation standpoint, from a control standpoint, to take OpenSUSE in the next direction from a desktop standpoint. I'm still on SUSE. In fact, that's what you were using for your presentation, Michael, yep, and you're using this here. It's just, it's a really solid tumbleweed in this case, really good, rolling yeah. distribution. And I feel like it doesn't get anywhere near the attention it should be getting. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with some of these controls and restraints that go on behind the scenes where they can't really take it to the next level of, you know. It would be interesting because, in that, and that's a good point. Um, I think that you're, you've kind of changed my mind a little bit in the sense that you, if they were to associate it in a style like the Red Hat does with Fedora, that would be much much more interesting because, you know, Red Hat is based on Fedora, and 
and you know because of how all the innovation they do in Fedora, Slee is based on uh, tumble on tumbleweed uh, after uh, periodically. So it's kind of the similar aspect. And if they were to change the brand, that would be potentially beneficial to them, as long as it's somewhat relevant to them still. So you know that they are the same the same project. But I think it would be a good idea in the sense that if they were to do this, they have the the, the control, the foundation, the donation stuff. That is a really good point. But they also have the ability to you know not have to be you know. Uh, at the whims of what SOSA wants. So as far as marketing goes, they could do a lot more in in the field of promoting the the Open SUSE or whatever it becomes project that they are kind of limited in what they can do now, and that makes it so you know Open SUSE and t- especially Tumbleweed is such a good project. It's such a good system, and for the, for having a rolling release, like most people would say, you know Arch is the best rolling release, and Tumbleweed has an argument to compete to, to compete, and yes. before. Before Tumbleweed, there wasn't really a competitor, a competitor for the rolling release at model. So that's a really impressive thing. But at the same time, it's kind of sad. But people don't give OpenSUSE that much credit for what they what they do and the the Open QA system and the OBS system and all the stuff they build. They don't really get the credit that they deserve. Agree, Rocco. What do you think about OpenSUSE? Well, I, I mean, Michael. <laughs> The thing is, it depends on the implementation of how they do it, how the split is made. You know, it's a good thing to be backed by a major company. I think they're still going to be backed, but just not branded backed. So the the funding will stay the same, or I mean, they would still be backed in this. And I don't know if it's going to be in the same way that Red Hat has in like control because they haven't really. It's really super up in the air for sure. Right. But at the same time. They would have the ability to keep the backing of SUSE because SUSE is not wanting to get rid of Open SUSE. They're not trying to split. It's just by changing the trademark, they don't have to be so intertwined. Right. Well, Open SUSE has always been a solid distro. That's just the way it is. I mean, they had they were a polished distro for a very long time. So I'm. I don't know if I want to offer an opinion on what could happen because I don't have enough information to do that. But uh, I wish him the best. Yeah. Earlier, earlier, uh, earlier in, a, in an episode, we had mentioned for a long time that we are bringing Zeb to America, and obviously that was thanks to you, the listener. You guys made that possible, and we cannot begin to express our gratitude for your generosity, donating your money. We understand, we do, that there are a lot of people out there that they don't make a lot of money. Some of you are looking for a job, and we know that a lot of you donated anyway, and so uh, all joking aside, we, we cannot express our gratitude. And sometimes I think that probably maybe gets lost during the episode because that tends to be at the time where we all insert our sarcastic uh, quips and stuff, and I try to give education and semantic lessons on the difference <laughs> between Patreons and, 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 and Kofi and how to pronounce right, those. But, right. but we're very appreciative, and as yep. part of that, System76 wants to be... <clears throat> System76 wants to be part of that appreciation to both you, the listener, and mm-hmm. to Zeb in welcoming you to America. So one of the things that System76 would like to do is to have you review their brand new laptop, which we have right here. Now, she was going to – Emma mm-hmm. was Emma was going to have Michael do it, but she didn't trust him. <laughs> she was going to have Ryan do it. But it didn't have an AMD processor and Ryzen, so she knew she'd, he'd be out. She was going to have me do it, but she knew the review would be too good. So No, I'm just I'm kidding. <laughs> You're the only one that she trusted to adequately review this. So we want you to take this, replace your laptop there. You are going to be using pop underscore OS exclamation mark and, uh, and boot it up. 
and and see what you think. So initial impressions right out of the box. What do you think? I'm absolutely astonished. This is a marvelous um, piece of kit. It's probably half the weight of the one that I'm I'm using at the moment. It looks stunning. Um, it's it's almost Mac-like in the in the quality that you look at a Mac and you think, wow, that's a nice bit of kit. I get exactly the same feeling when I'm looking at this. Um, it's just it's astonishing. It looks really and I, I just dropped it yeah. So it looks really really cool. It's really so, durable. It's definitely durable. We've we've tested that. <laughs> we've, we've tested that already. Yeah. Yep. So so you, you open it up and the thing I like about it straight away is it's got a large trackpad. Mm -hmm. So so that looks really good. Um, it's going to be difficult without powering up and using it, but the keys. The keys well, feel you, really listen, good. The reason that we're setting time aside to do this is because we want you to power up and use it. Uh, <laughs> so let's fire up the Darter Pro and no, see you what you think. That out of the way yeah, get that we'll... thing out of there. We yeah. don't need that. Whatever that thing is. Whatever that thing is, that non-System 76 freedom-hitting device. <laughs> okay, that was a bit excessive. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was excessive. That was I apologize. <laughs> okay. So okay, so we hit the power button. Can we talk and... about real quick, Zeb, all the ports? I mean, this isn't a Mac dongle gate situation no. here. There's more no, ports there than you could possibly want to use. Or the what? Look at all the ports on the side. The ports. Yeah, there so, yeah, there we go. Yeah, we've got it. Uh, looks like a, a USB 3. A, mm -hmm. uh, is that a thunder, thunder, Thunderbolt? Or is, it, no, is that just an ordinary USB-C? You don't have to read them off. That's just know yeah. there's pretty much everything there. Yeah, yeah. HDMI. There's, there's one of the things is like it's such a light... It's such a light laptop. If you check this that out, that is a freedom jack on there. Yeah. You're right. There's a courage yeah. port right it's on the side. There. There's a courage port, but also it's. But even though it's a super light laptop, it has an Ethernet port built into it. Look wow. at that. Yeah. People argue that you can't do it in the light laptop. That's right. why I take system it. System seventy six said, "Hold my beer and watch this." Exactly. That's what system seventy six. I like Intel a little bit now. <laughs> <laughs> No, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, Zeb, what we want you to do, we want you to take it, we want you to, do, we want you to put it through its paces. Mm -hmm. Torture test that sucker. Fire it up. Run it the whole weekend. Make it burn. Better have, like, burn marks on it. Okay, don't do that. We have to send it back to him. But, but try it and see what you think. And uh, and then and then we'll we'll do a little blurb here probably on Sunday, mm -hmm. and we'll we'll get an idea of what you think of it, what your first impressions are. Yeah, sure. So I want you to know. So System Seventy Six is making a name for themselves because they are the only American-based PC manufacturer that's actually making computers in America. Mm -hmm. So when you come to America, now you have an American. Now you have a, the most American PC you PC can have. You can try. Well, the initial reaction was it was incredibly quick. That started up from cold boot in about 20 seconds. What do you and think of the amazing. Pop OS uh, 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 welcome screen, setup screen, um, login screen, name yeah, screen? I like do this particular robot I like, but I've, like never been, I've, never been, um, I've never had their design of wallpaper as a favorite of mine. I can understand why some, some people would like that sort of that thing. That particular but it's features, just the, features uh, has, the, has the extensions pack that allows you to change the wallpaper. Cool. Yeah. But no, this initial welcome screen and the little robot that's there, it reminds me of that, um, was it a Disney character? They had a little robot that... Kind of looks like, yeah, Wally yeah. or something. Wally, yeah. that's the one, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it, and it looks really, really good. And I was never a, a, a fan of the Pop! OS Blue, but it's... It's really cool. It looks really, really on good. On that screen, as bright as that is, I don't know what the nits are in that screen, the specs, but it looks very, very bright. Very well, cool. and I'm going to really enjoy putting this through its paces. I'll be taking it everywhere that I go now and, and sitting there writing up notes about what I'm doing and what I'm what I'm doing. So this is going to be fantastic. Awesome. It's going to be really good. All right. Well, you go ahead and start abusing that. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, You are going to need to plug it in because it's running out of power. 
Does it accept Type C? Let's find out. That's because the truth is Noah's been playing with it the whole time he's been telling you he's been holding it for you. <laughs> no, I, I literally went and opened the box right before we started. Yeah, let's go it's ahead and try this. So power. here's what's going to happen. No, either it's, the got a, it's got a, either a the, normal. Well, yeah, that's fine. Just plug that into the Type-C. Either it charges or it starts on fire. I mean, we'll find out. This is a durability test. Yeah, exactly. It's part of the product quality control. Start on fire. Oh, that's no, good. Sound. No fire yet. Oh, that's good. Smoking a little bit. Yep. No smoke. <laughs> and it's now starting to... Power, I think, because that, that little that little um, lightning bolt never used to be there before, so I'm pretty sure yeah. that it's now starting to. Really now we're all going to stare it here. Looks for like 10 it looks like it. Uh, it looks like it is. Edge. It looks like it is powering up. So yeah, this is awesome. I'll give it. A, I'll give it a whirl and, and let you know what I think of it. All right, well, you go ahead and check out. You keep playing with that. We'll finish up the show for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next up in the news, we have our software spotlight. I actually did a video on this, but some of the folks who listen to Destination Linux. Um, don't necessarily uh, subscribe to the videos and things that I do out there. But when I found this tool, uh, Alien, it just was such an awesome tool. But apparently all of you Linux, you know, um, what is You're the right, word here? Awesome. All of the folks who have been in Linux for a while knew about this and are like, yeah, Ryan, wow, you're really excited about this thing that we've known about forever and completely never told me about. Rocco, did you know about Alien? No. Okay, good. All right, finally, somebody who <laughs> wasn't a liar to me. Everybody else was like, yeah, why are you talking about it? Of course Alien exists. So Alien's a really cool package, and where I use this is I have the new DOS Keyboard 5Q, and they created a Linux package for their keyboard, but it only has a deb file. And so you take Alien, you run one command, basically, in there, and you could do it you know, back and forth. You can convert different types of file types, but in this case, I took a deb and I converted it to an RPM file. So I took the package that DOS Keyboard made, converted it through this one command, then went and installed it in OpenSUSE, and boom, it worked. It popped up. Now, not nice. every program is going to work that way, right? Some work, some don't. depends on how complex it is. But this is just such a cool tool to allow somebody to quickly convert a package, yeah. if you need to, between distros to, to get it working. Yeah, I think it's a really awesome package. I mean, it's it's, it's a cool idea to, to change to be able to change your package much so it's like it's you know building packages is a pain really it's a big depending on which one you're talking about is even worse than the other ones but having the ability to have just like I have this package and switch it out is such a a nice tool that it makes it a lot easier to deal with so like it it, it kind of solves one of the headaches of Linux. So, like, that's that's definitely a good tip. Yeah, it's such a cool tool out there. So go check it out. It's called Alien. Uh, also, we have a tip and trick of the week. And, Michael, yeah. I actually stumped you this week. Yeah, the, the Alien was not new to me, but this one was. And yes. it was it was something like, why do I not didn't already know about this? And I know. You've got to be kidding. I, it, what, I, I don't use it enough to, to this know. This is how you know he's not lying about Alien, because nobody would ever, ever, ever admit yeah. to being that ignorant to not knowing about this next tool. I know. Yeah. I didn't know about it. You're kidding. Well, I mean, I put it in there, so I knew about it a week ago. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm honestly a little dumbfounded. Like, I mean, here's the, tr truthfully, there's like there's like five things you learn when you first start administrating servers. This is like number four. Uh, I'm not yeah. a server administrator, dude. I'm not a server... Oh, that's right. I forgot. You're a, you're a, you're a, you're a, a processor guy. Yeah, yeah, we don't use that in processors and GPUs. Yeah, and I'm, and a, I'm a design marketing guy, so... <laughs> so that's why. But this is this tool we're talking about is uh, no H up or no hup, 
And basically what it does is, what it, when it, it's, it's an awesome, really, thing. If you go into the SSH server and you start act, running commands and you, and you disconnect from the SSH server, well, it's going disconnect, to disconnect that command and stop the command right then. Whereas no HUP, you run this before you run the other command, and it will keep the previous command running while you disconnect from the SSH server. Okay, put, it, put an ampersand at the end of it. At the end of the, so no HUP. Space. Put your command. Right. Space, right. Put an ampersand. Right. I'm just just the I, just the fact that you can do that is is so so awesome and and I do admit not knowing about it is kind of sad. But at the same time, I'm also a marketer and designer, so it's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> well, so, and truthfully, I mean, oh, go ahead. I'm not a server admin either. So when you run this command, is it safe to run a command and then? close out and yes. let it run and not worry when, about when any you, errors that might happen? When you run NoHub, if you don't specify an output, so for example, if you run NoHub uh, and then and then put a caret and then specify an output file, you'll get output. If you don't do that, when you press enter, you'll get a bash prompt. And uh, you can type exit, you can close the terminal, whatever you want to do. Now, uh, a little uh, ninja tip is NoHub has a very specific use case. It's not something that you use every time you want to start a file copy and then you want to walk away, right? And the reason for that is there is no way uh, to, to, to resume a no hang-up a process without some screwery, okay? So the, 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 the prescribed way to do that, if you ever want to go back to that output, would be to run it in a screen session, disconnect from the screen session, then resume the screen session. Where NoHub is helpful is I... Um, Domino server is the first thing that comes to mind, weirdly enough. Domino server, uh, it needs to be scripted to, 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 to boot up on, on startup. All of the output is logged inside of a separate console, so you don't actually need any of the output. So the startup script for Domino was a nohub command. Um, that's the kind of situation where it's useful. But most times, the reason, if I were to guess why people had, you've all heard of screen, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the, probably the reason you haven't heard of nohub is it kind of does the same thing as screen, except not quite as powerful. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, we definitely stumped one of the members, but Noah is embarrassed to be with us, apparently, <laughs> That's uh, how it for works. the rest of us not knowing it. But a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. We love our patrons, our Kofi supporters, and we want to give a special shout-out to all of you for your support, especially all the love that you gave us in being able to bring Zeb here, and we get to see Rocco here. This has got to bring back some memories where you're just like, man, I miss this so much, right, Rocco? <laughs> See, I had no tension, no worries, because it was your show. If I ruined it, it was no big deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Noah, how are some other ways people can support us? Well, they can start by pronouncing coffee correctly and going to coffee to purchase a, us a cup of coffee, not Kofi. And if you do that, you get the same you get the same benefits as being a Patreon subscriber. It just sounds a lot cooler, and there's, you can fight over the semantics of the way they pronounce it. And, uh, you, you, hey, you know what? Either way, you get the best parts of the show at the... Well, actually, really, the worst parts of... It's, yeah, it's really, it's the worst parts of the show for the most amount of money. <laughs> but, but that's not a bad thing, because uh, you get to see all the shenanigans that occur. You get to see... Uh, you get to hear and see all of the interaction between us and, um, and all the mistakes that Michael makes. So it's, a, it's really a great time. Fake news. And so come check it out. At, 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 go, go buy us a cup of coffee. Yeah. Sounds good. And let's not forget, I do it every week. We want to hear from you, our listeners uh, and viewers... What can we do to make Destination Linux better for you? Have we got any 
special projects that you'd like us to look at have you got any sort of software you want us to review or just tell us about your experiences with linux send all of that information through to comments at destinationlinux.org and we've also of course got um the section where michael has lined up a whole host of other other methods that you can uh contact us and i can never read the screen properly when it's at a diagonal so michael's going to tell you what that url is yeah it's destinationlinux.org slash contact yeah uh, that's, that's so, good that's uh, <laughs> i just want to jump in real quick so we are we're, we're coming to you from southeast linux fest and man we would really appreciate it if you would head over to southeastlinuxfest.org let those guys know how much we appreciate them giving us some space oh, yeah. hanging out and being able to bring this content for you the amazing internet connection that they provided that we were able to stream this out from embed it they let us embed right on their site so maybe some new people if this is the first time you're hearing destination linux we're way more professional usually we're just, no i'm just kidding it's actually always just bad <laughs> that's but, much but, worse uh, but yeah you can check it as i Check us out at destinationlinux.org if you'd like to download the show. This is the first time you're hearing it. Um, there's a remote attendee option. You go to southeastlinuxfest.org and yeah. you're able to check that out. So, uh, so just a huge thanks to the group for for uh, for giving us a space and, and letting us come out and, and, and film this show. Yeah, and if you're watching this show being recorded live, it's uh, the the self the remote attendee option is really great, especially because you get to see you can you can choose to see the the talks that myself and Noah are given tomorrow. And that that is definitely worth it at that point. Right. I mean, if just seeing Michael alone would be worth the remote attending. It's hard to disagree with that because his hair is in full 1080p resolution, exactly. streamed and captured. Exactly. Then you add his his ravishing voice, and yep. you get his his what an hour soldier of of perfectly executed in this case Caden live analysis. Oh yes, perfect. It I was mean, absolutely outstanding. Proper planning and everything. Everything mm. went awesome. He didn't even have to use a Windows computer. Uh, so for the first time. <laughs> wow. So, so, wow. so the interesting thing about that is he he always takes his time about doing his um, hair, and I have always promised that when I no. met him, no. I was going to. Oh no! Oh dear! Michael's hair is messed up. Shock horror! Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. So, it is a horror. So, so let's get back to the realities. I am here in America. I am having a fantastic time. And that is all down to you, the Linux users. So I want to just thank you from the bottom of my heart um, in helping me get here. So to finish off the show as well, we're just going to go back in time. That's right. All right. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you can do it yeah. one more time. Yeah.